Last week, we were with Jesus not on the Mount of Olives coming down into Jerusalem, but we were with him in the boat. And there was a storm, and Jesus was awakened, and he quieted that storm. He told the wind to stop. He told the sea to be still. He laid back down, (coughs) and the disciples were left with, Who then is this? Who is this? And I believe that, that throughout not just that story, but this season and what we're going to share today, I mean, that's the, that's the pivotal question. Every one of us has to ask, who is Jesus? A little bit later in the story, Jesus went with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples... Who do people say that I am? And so the disciples said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. So that would be John the Baptist raised from the dead because John lost his head before this. Others would say Elijah. Well, Elijah is an Old Testament prophet that was taken up into heaven. Others would say one of the prophets, but all those prophets would have been dead. So you must be something resurrected. Someone that didn't die. That's what the people are thinking. That's what they're saying. And then Jesus turned the question on the disciples, which I really believe he would do with us. You know, who do you then say that I am? And Peter spoke up and he said, you're the Messiah. The way that we would say that is, you are the king. You're the king. So it brings us to that same question. Who do you say that I am? So who do we, as a group of people gathered on a Palm Sunday in 2000, who do we say that Jesus is? Who do people around us say that Jesus is? And then Jesus does get personal. I mean, Jesus would would sit down and say, who do you say that I am? Who do we say Jesus is? Once there is this revelation, it's a disclosure, something made known to Peter by the Holy Spirit, Jesus begins to say some things about himself that he had not said before. Mark 8, he then began, after this confession, you are the king, to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, be killed and after three days rise again. All of that is before it happened. And he said all of this quite open. And then Peter took him aside. And he began to rebuke him. Wait a minute. I, you know, I just said you are the king. So how, what do you mean? You're going to undergo great suffering. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be killed. What do you know? We're, we're just now recognizing who you are. I mean, this is on, we're going, this is going up. You're talking about, no. And Jesus said, Peter, you're like speaking the words of the devil. Get behind me, Satan. You're setting your mind not on the divine things, but on human things. So as we go on in this story, again, there's this question. Are we thinking God thoughts? Or are we thinking human thoughts? I would like to suggest to you, this is a God story. And if we just think about this in a human way, we're not going to get it any more than the disciples that were originally with Jesus. Goes on, Mark 9. 
They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands. They will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. And notice, after that second announcement of what was coming had not yet happened, saying betrayal, kill, resurrection, raised from the dead, they, the twelve, did not understand what he was saying. And they were afraid to ask him questions. So just think about us. What do we not understand in this story of Jesus? And we're, we're afraid to ask. You know, sometimes it's like we're afraid to ask because we don't want anybody to think we don't know. Guess what? We don't know. We're all on even ground here. We, we're all exploring what it means to follow Jesus. We all need to help each other. There are things that we don't understand and things that we can... Every question's okay. A third time, Mark 10, he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him. See, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests, the scribes. They will condemn him to death. Then they'll hand him over to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles will mock him, spit upon him, flog him, kill him, and after three days he'll rise again. Do do you notice that Jesus keeps upping the ante on what he's disclosing to them? Hey guys, I don't think you're quite getting it, so let me like really spell out the details of what is about to happen to me before it happens. How does Jesus know? What's about to happen to him before it happens? How does Jesus know the details of what is about to happen to him before it happens? That's a great question to answer. You see, this king that Peter announced, you are the king, this king, that king is Jesus. I would like to say our our king is Jesus. And our king knowingly before it happened, endured great suffering on our behalf. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him, and he was willing to do that for us. Incredible. If I knew that someone was about to betray me, that someone was about to turn me over to the authorities, that someone was about to beat me, spit on me, mock me, I'm not sure I'd stay in town. But he did. And he was betrayed. He was betrayed by a fellow human being. One of the twelve kissed him. Said, this is the man. Arrest him. He was handed over to not so nice Jewish religious leaders. Those religious leaders were pretty nasty. And our king was rejected. But these religious leaders, they they said, no way. You you cannot be who we think the king of Israel is supposed to be. Again, go back to they were thinking human thoughts. They'd already decided. They'd studied. They'd brought 400 years of study. 
They'd already decided what the king of Israel is going to look like. And buddy, you're not, you no way. We reject you. It's a false claim. You can't be the king. And those same religious leaders condemned our king to death. So the religious establishment, the ones that you would think would, were really prepared to recognize what God was doing and that the king is... That, that religious establishment condemned him to death. But, and don't, don't, please don't go down the path of it's just the Jews. No way. Look what happens. They handed him over to the Gentiles. This is a, this is a Jew and Gentile thing. Rejecting Jesus, the king. And Jew and Gentile stands for humanity. This is humanity rejecting the king. The Gentiles mocked him, spit on him, flogged him, and killed him. So God showed up. God said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put an end to the rebellion. And he himself became the victim of that rebellion to illustrate how rebellious we are. Through it all, knowing it all, through great suffering, he rose from the dead on the third day. So what I would like to suggest, with that kind of as the backdrop to this day of Palm Sunday, we celebrate even before the fact of the triumphal entry of our king into the city of Jerusalem. You see, within Jesus, even before he was triumphal in the resurrection, there's already celebration. See, celebration can start before the suffering. (laughs) He knew what he was going to endure, but he's still celebrating He's still allowing people to recognize and to acclaim him as the king, even though that's really before his triumph over death. So here it is. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find there tied a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? What are they doing? Why are you doing this? You're stealing a donkey. Why are you doing this? Say to them, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. Again, how does Jesus know? Again, it goes back to the, who is he? Got to answer that question. Who is he? And they went and they found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, sure enough, some of the bystanders said to them, what what are you doing? I mean, it'd be just like me going out and driving away in Tom's car. The Lord has need of it. Right? No protest. <laughs> they told him what Jesus, that what Jesus said, the Lord has need of it. And they said, oh, okay. 
Go ahead. And they brought the cult to Jesus. And they took, out the, took off their outer robes and they threw those cloaks on the donkey. And they, and they placed Jesus up on it. And then many people began to spread their cloaks on the ground. Because you see, a, a king that's approaching a city is treated with honor. You throw a cloak over a donkey for a king to sit on it. You throw a cloak on the ground because this king is being recognized as royalty. And then people begin to, to spread leafy branches on the ground. Again, same thing. The, a king is worthy of not walking on a dusty trail. We want to make sure that we recognize this is the king entering the city. And then those who went on ahead and those who followed began to shout. Hosanna! Hosanna! It means God save us. It's a way of saying God is going to save us through this king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. This is the one foretold that will sit on the throne of David. This is the long-awaited king. Blessed is the coming, arriving kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I cannot imagine what that must have sounded like reverberating off of the walls of that city. Let's give it a little try. Pick out one of those. Which one of those would you like to shout? This is a day for shouting. I know, we know we're not really comfortable with shouting. But if there's ever a day we should shout, today would be that day, right? So pick out one of those acclamations. If you pick out Hosanna, you may have to say it three times before others get to the end of blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, so balance it out, okay? But let's just see. Why don't you close your eyes, and I'm going to count to three, and then we're all going to shout acclamation just to see if we can, like, be there in Jerusalem. One, two, three. Hosanna in the highest heavens! <laughs> Awesome. Oh, when that, that was like we were there. Can we do that again? That was so much fun. Close your eyes. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Awesome. Wow. My friends, that was a shout of acclamation for our king today. You know, and our king really does recognize that between this point and the point of triumph, a triumphal, sin-free life, there's a gap. He knows that. He knows that bones are going to be broken. He knows that we can continue to hurt each other. He, he knows that things happen in this world that are 
are, are going the opposite direction of what he wants for humanity. He, he does know that the rebellion of humanity against the rule of God is not, it's not over yet. Humanity continues to wage war against humanity and do despicable things. He knows that. But just as real as Jesus is entering Jerusalem to the acclamation, the triumphal entry, knowing that he's going to endure great suffering and then be raised from the dead, I would like us to see that as a pattern for living today. It's just not a celebration of something in the past. It is that today we're traveling down this path and those of us who are traveling with Jesus, we really can say a hallelujah. We really can say, through it all, at the other end, <laughs> I know there is a brighter future, not just for me, but for us and for all of humanity. That day is coming. But between today and that day is a time of suffering. So we are a people very much like Jesus on this day. Jesus knew as those acclamations filled the air, he knew, whoa, wow. I'm going to have to endure some great suffering before I get to the other side. But it didn't stop the praise on that day. May we not allow our personal suffering or the suffering of humanity around us, let us not stop. Don't let that stop the praise that our God deserves because there is another side. And also, let's not stop inviting others to follow Jesus with us. I don't know, I don't know how to endure the suffering of life without Jesus. I mean, I've, I've known him long enough to just think, scratch my head, I, I don't know what I would do. If I had to face suffering without Jesus, I don't know how I would do that. Our shout of acclamation for our king today is like our shout of hallelujah for what is before us. So may we live in that today as we celebrate this historical event. Would you please stand with me? Jesus, I believe there's something that we can learn from you today. And that is how to endure suffering when victory is later. Jesus, there was some way that you were able to enter with the acclamation of people and you could celebrate your triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the same time knowing that you were going to suffer that you were going to be rejected, that you were going to be beaten, spit on, mocked, ultimately killed. And yet you knew that you would be raised from the dead. So, so, so Lord, somehow that becomes a pattern for us, following you today, experiencing life sometimes 
when it's really good experiencing life at other times when it's really not good. It's really hard. But all the while knowing that there is an end to our suffering and that we too, like you, will be raised from the dead. There is a point of triumph for us. So what I ask, O Lord, is that you would help us to embrace whatever difficulty, whatever sorrow, whatever suffering that we're traveling through. I ask that we would endure that knowing that there is something before us. I pray that we would endure it knowing that you too endured, that you become this example for us so that we can follow you through suffering into life. Lord, I pray that you would comfort us, strengthen us, help us to be faithful, and help us never to lose sight of the hope that is within us, the hope of life, the hope of victory, the hope of a place where there is no more sin or sorrow or brokenness. Revive that hope in us this day, Lord as you ride victoriously and humbly into Jerusalem. In your name, amen. What I'd like to ask you to do, just in response, is sometimes we, we really keep our, our sorrows to ourselves. We kind of silently endure. And I just would like us to, to continue to remind each other that we're in a community of people where we, we want to support each other. We want to care for each other. We want to help each other. Fortunately, we're not all limping at the same time. So that those of us not limping can really help. So as, uh, as we say goodbye today, just turn to a neighbor and just say, you know, maybe it's not today, but you know, when my sorrows increase, I'm going to ask you for help. Find somebody that you can say that to because that's what it means to follow Jesus together. From here, let's go celebrate uh, out to the boat hornies after a time of visiting and uh, enjoy the afternoon together. Thank you all. Hallelujah.